It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rope Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. And today we're here to chat about the state of play at Sunderland right now. Uh, now that the dust has settled on our third successive defeat. Um, this time against Blackpool at the worst possible point of the season. Um, join me, as always, from down under is Martin. How we doing, mate? Oh, football results aside, I'm doing very well, Gav. Yeah, yeah. And also join us today is a, is a very special guest, a uh, friend of the pod, former Sunderland midfielder Kieran Brady. Kieran, it's always a pleasure, but uh, I wish we were chatting under better circumstances because when we arranged this, Sunderland were in a far more uh, optimistic position. Yeah, you're not alone in that. And not only that, I have to go on the BBC tomorrow, so Marco doesn't have to oh, pick his times well to have a holiday. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, Sunderland then uh, this weekend lost away at Blackpool. Um We've just hit the buffers at the worst possible time, Martin. Everyone, I mean, the, that game was was anybody could have won it. We we dominated the possession, we dominated the shots, we had twice as many passes, but it just didn't work out. What went wrong? Do you think? I it's a funny one, isn't it? And you know, I think the lads spoke about on, on the reaction pod after the after the game. And apart from the forty five minutes against Wigan in the second half, we haven't actually played much different in those three games. What we have done for a lot of the the season, but. You know, those moments where McGeady hit the post, three weeks ago mm. that hits the inside the post and goes in, we win 1-0 yesterday, yeah. it bounces out, doesn't it? Yeah, it was it was a difficult one to take, Kieran, wasn't it? When you, when you think we just desperately needed to win that game and sort of hope that Hull slipped up. And Hull at one stage in the afternoon were getting beat. Mm. Sunderland were, in, were in, the, in control, yet everything went against us. It's, it's, it's a sore one, isn't it? It undoubtedly is, and you know, as you've touched upon, the timing couldn't be worse, and it now creates a, you know, a significant challenge in terms of automatic promotion. You know, I would really echo your sentiments a few moments ago. I don't think in a lot of the games, certainly that I have witnessed, they played particularly well, but they were into a very good habit of managing to eke out victories, but unfortunately. Mm. The wrong break of the ball or errors from people in very vulnerable positions can obviously prove costly. And, you know, that's what's unfolded certainly yesterday and, you know, I think over recent games. So it's, you know, it's going to be a real test for Lee Johnson because he has to try to ensure that if it is to be the playoffs, which looks likely at this moment, 
that they can go into it with some confidence. And obviously confidence is largely gleaned yeah. from not only good performances, but good results. But you, you touched on the individual errors thing there, Kieran and Martin. Burge for that goal goes straight through his legs. This is a keeper I've defended actually this season because he does get a lot of stick. But you know he has he has kept a lot of clean sheets. But he he as the team's confidence has dipped, his is his has went off a cliff as well. I mean, it was a shocker. I don't want to really dig players out too much individually, but I mean, I think he saves that. Like you just touched on, we maybe win that game a month ago. I I don't think he makes that mistake a month ago. No, that's right. And I think you know both. Um... Keepers that we have on the the books, both the senior keepers, are, are prone to to chucking one in every now and again, aren't they? And yeah. really, you know, for for a side to go up, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna play well every every week. You're not gonna be, you know have rampant performances where you you win four or five nil. You've got to grind out those results, but it relies on everybody doing the job really well. And you know, a moment of magic in one end of the pitch, Burge saving that shot, the goalkeeper pulling off a good save is is just as valuable at the other end of the pitch, isn't it? Mm. Blackpool, I mean, for me, I watched them a couple of weeks ago against Peterborough. They beat Peterborough, and I thought then they look a good team. And I don't, but I don't think particularly Kieran that Blackpool were were anything special. This has been a bit of a feature of the last couple of weeks. We sort of lose. We've lost the last three games without getting outplayed. It's 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 sort of a, it points to a, a a mental deficiency in the in the squad to me. Like the, their mentality has dropped off a cliff, like I said before, and we're now facing. The prospect of uh, of having to battle through the playoffs, but then I look outside the playoffs, and we're only six points outside of the of the teams trying to claw their way in. So um, we're, yeah. we're sort of looking over our shoulders now, aren't we? Yeah, and I mean it does have parallels with what unfolded two years ago under Jack Ross. And so far as there was that hope getting into the last six to eight games that promotion could be achieved automatically. There then was the despondency because there was a drop-off in terms of both performance and result. And of course, they had to not only settle for the playoffs, but because of what happened in the final day of the season, it meant that they were going to have to play the second leg of the semi-final away from home and the potential problems that that can bring for an advantage for the for the home side. But... Um, you, you know, they, they're going to have to be vigilant about what might unfold because there are teams that are perhaps coming into form. I know Charlton and Portsmouth have stumbled a little of late, but I think they would, with their new managers, would perhaps feel quite confident getting into the playoffs. So, you know, if they could go to Hull and win, I think it galvanises them. And I don't think that's a task that is insurmountable. Obviously, the other side of no. that is that Hull know that by beating Sunderland, Sunderland at least will not be able to catch them. So it's a situation that Sunderland have found itself in on more than one occasion. Um, it might be a different manager that's having to try to navigate a path to promotion, but it is what it is. And yeah, you you know to to lose to lose the last three just narrowly as well. You know, has it brings its own degree of annoyance. You know that you've not been able to produce that bit of quality that might have allowed you to go one nil up instead of the opposition or two one up. And that one of the things that has been quite striking is that in the early part of the year, it was very evident, and it's credit to Lee Johnson and his coaching staff, and of course the players, 
that they were benefiting hugely from work on the training ground in relation to attacking set pieces. But I think the problem that comes with that is that if opposition teams do their homework, then they can try to either nullify Sunderland getting set pieces in advantageous positions, and they can certainly try to make sure that people, particularly Charlie White, is negated in terms of getting a good run onto it or getting close to the goal to head it. So, you know, it presents different challenges for Lee Johnson and his staff. I still think Sunderland have got sufficient quality. They are, by and large, a League One squad. But with people like Hayden, um, you know, and one or two others, then you would like to think that in any given day, that moment of genuine quality could emerge that might allow them to you know, snatch victory from the jaws of a draw or defeat. Good points, definitely. Martin, I was going to quickly ask you this because you've probably noticed this on social media, the uh, the Streaky Lee comments that have followed him from Bristol City. Mm. We haven't seen any, but pe- people have started bringing this up, haven't they? The, the Streaky Lee thing. It was, a, it was a moniker that sort of followed him from Bristol because he would go on long runs of winning games and then long runs of losing games. Um, is, it, is it harsh? For people to start, you know, singling the manager out here, and I mean, three games, three games without uh, win is 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 hard enough. Three defeats and a bounce is even worse, of course. But um, streaky Lee, then, what do you think of that? Is it? I think it's personally, I'm a, I don't, I don't think it's very fair to single him out at this stage. I I don't like it personally, but you you look at what we we've done over the last three games. That's the first time in our history. We've lost three league games in League One in a row. So, yeah. you know, it's quite a momentous set of results for <laughs> all of the wrong reasons. And you you look at Johnson's record, and I, I was interested in Kieran's sort of take on on this as well, because at, at Bristol, he did have that reputation of going on, as you say, of going on sort of long winning runs and long losing streaks. And like we, we saw it with Steve Bruce at Sunderland, didn't, he, didn't we? We had the same with, with Bruce, where he would do the, the yeah. same. And like from a player's mentality perspective, do you lose one or two, and and you think, oh shit, this manager does lose streaks of games. We're in this rut now, and it's going to be four or five games before we we get out. But I kind of wonder if is that a thing that you know subconsciously at, at least it kind of plays on people's mind. It's obviously playing on supporters' mind because after two defeats, it's it's been brought up as a as a thing, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think. For us, it's it's just an interesting position to, to be in to see how it actually pans out, and hopefully that that streak of losses isn't um, too long, and we we have a nice streak of wins afterwards. Hmm. What do you think, Kieran? Do you, is it is it a bit harsh, really, a single manager? Considering he done such a brilliant job to even hmm. catapult us into a position where we were challenging for the top two, given you know we saw we seemed so far off the pace at at one stage. Is it is it a little bit harsh to to be well, you know? Single amount. In one respect, if you offered supporters the prospect 17 games ago of amassing the points total that they would in the next 17 games, I think yeah. that most supporters would not only have accepted it, but would have been commending Lee Johnson and the players for being able to amass that total. But we're all very well versed in football and it's you know, how, how it's various dynamics. And what that generally means is that a manager will often only be assessed on what's happened most recently. And 
I think that's compounded when you consider it's such a critical stage of the season. I think looking at Lee Johnson in mm. isolation, you know, one of the benefits if you are a manager of taking over from a manager who has either resigned or been sacked, but who was losing popularity in the dressing room, you can be a beneficiary of the relief that might come from the players. But what will happen after a time is that you will have to start making sure that you can impress upon the players your own ethos, your own strategy and formation. And we might now be getting to the stage where, you know, this is Lee Johnson's team as opposed to the failings of what existed with Phil Parkinson. And... It's it's really incumbent upon... I mean, this is an acid test of his management skills because it's obviously been an area of shortcomings over the course of the last two years, albeit last year was very different as a result of the pandemic and its consequences. Obviously, there's differences at this moment in time because of the absence of supporters. But nevertheless, I still believe that the group of players he has at his disposal should be competent enough and should be confident enough to take to the field against any side that they come up against. So, Mm. you know, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, how things pan out. You know, I I still think if they could go to Hull and win, that it plants seeds of doubt in Hull City. And of course, it galvanises the players. Um, So I wouldn't say that the automatic places have gone completely. But, but, but equally, I think the points are, that are raised are very valid insofar as if this run was to continue, then there might be concerns as we get to the penultimate game of the season or the final game that even being in the playoffs might become, you know, a, a, a sort of precarious position. So, you know, as you know as well as I, if you want a situation to you know, typify Sunderland, then perhaps this is it. <laughs> oh, God, I, yeah. It, I mean, you could have wrote the script, couldn't you? It's, I think I, I'm a bit annoyed at myself for getting a bit ahead of myself, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, geez, it's one of the only football clubs in the world when you buy a season ticket, it should come with either a pay, pacemaker or counselling session, <laughs> you know, because there's so many emotional <laughs> that, that people have to entertain or endure over the course of any given season. And <laughs> you, you know, and it's because of the newfound optimism with the, the new ownership, and of course it's still very much in its embryonic stages, it would be disappointing because I think with the financial resources that would be made available to Lee Johnson or any other manager, I think at the very least they could consolidate a position over the course of a season in the championship and then it might be that they can try to push on to try to, you know, make the return to the yeah. the highest echelons of the game. Yeah. What do you think Johnson could have done differently yesterday than Kieran? Put your manager's hat on. I know you've got a nice red hat on today, but if you could put your man- manager's hat yeah. on and um, sort of work out what, what could we have done differently yesterday to, to get over the line? Because, like I said at the top, I mean, look at the statistics. We dominated in every area apart from the one that counted, which was the the goal scored. Mm. Well, I, I suppose I haven't been that impressed with Sunderland in recent weeks in terms of 
how they go about open play, you know, and I think they have to some extent became reliant upon, you know, occasionally balls in from wide within open play. But, you know, I think the point was made earlier in the week prior to the game against Blackpool that some of Sunderland's competitors had a much better record of goal scorers from out with the primary sources. And, of course, so much has been reliant upon... Aiden, and I think with that, it's Chris Maguire that has arguably suffered the most. And I know that because of this period of adversity, the decibel levels have increased around the potential for Chris Maguire's inclusion alongside Aiden McGeady. So, you know, you know whether it's team selection or whether it's trying to make sure that. You know, you're you're capable and competent in terms of scoring goals from all areas, set pieces or other, then, you know, there may be the challenges that Lee Johnson has had of late and I believe that they're probably likely to continue for the remainder of the season. Yeah, we're changing the team too much, Martin, do you think? Because it's, it's another criticism I've seen levelled at, uh, at Lee Johnson that he's tinkering a bit too much. I mean, at one stage, everybody was praising him for it because... He was making the most of the squad available to him. You know, we've got a talented squad for this level. Um, but we've had a bunch of injuries and in key positions, which he's had to contend with, obviously. But we don't seem to settle on a, on a, on a starting team, do we? I mean, Max Power seems to flip between centre midfield and right back uh, almost every game. We, mm. we, we sort of keep swapping out the attacking players and we, we, it's, it's stopping us from gathering any momentum, I guess, isn't it, in a way? But uh, what, would you, what do you think? Are we changing it too much? I think there's, you know, there's, there's some selections that, that Lee Johnson makes are, you know, forced on him, aren't they? I think power going from right back to centre midfield is usually down to McLaughlin being injured or, or somebody else being injured. And obviously we've had a, an awful lot of chop and change at, at the back and that's, you know, primarily being enforced, hasn't it? I think yeah, um, yeah. He, he does he does change around the midfield and you know that that front two or three a lot, and I think it's purely down to the being a lack of goals in the squad altogether. You know, if you look at our top goal right. scorers this year, Wykes on you know twenty seven or whatever he's on, I think our next top goal scorer is Grant Ledbetter with six and three of those are penalties. So <laughs> yeah, or four of them penalties. So like, we've got no we've got no goals coming from anywhere else in the team. Obviously, McGee. You, has a bit of a, a goal threat and he's only played half a season. So I think a lot of it is down to to trying to figure out or trying to hit on something that'll take a little bit of pressure off Wyke um and, and give us more more goal scoring chances because as as Kieran said earlier, you know, a lot of the teams around us have far better um attacking options in terms of the goal threat that they have. It's more shared out across the the, the team. So you know I think you know we can praise Johnson for you know some of what he's done so far, but he, you know he's been hindered to an extent by a squad that's been set up to play in one way because we 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 don't have any other style of forward no. apart from Charlie White and obviously we we brought Stewart in to kind of take Danny Graham's place in, in the squad, didn't we? And I think it's yeah. like that's that's probably the reason for the the chopping and changing. And you know you you can't have it both ways, can you? We criticise Phil Parkinson for not trying something different, <laughs> and it's really hard to sit here and go, "Well, Johnson's trying to to change too much." I think it's um, mm. you know, if it comes off, he's he's a great manager. If he doesn't, yeah. he opens himself up for criticism. 
I guess he's just trying to find a way of getting things working again. That's we'd exactly. all be in the. I mean, if we were all managers, we'd all be doing the same thing. You know, he just lost two important games. He's just trying to get things working again. We've had an interesting question on Twitter, Q, and I'll throw this one at you. It's from Chris Day, who's asked. It's around the narrative that the, the players have bottled it. A lot of pl- people are using that that phrase that they've bottled it. He says, uh, "For me, some of the players just aren't good enough, and it's not about bottle." Uh, what What do you think about that? Well, I think if you even reluctantly accept that Sunderland have largely a group of League One players, then as a result of that, there's going to be the expectation, at least some of the time, that you're going to see League One performances and League One indiscretions. And that might be what we witnessed with Lee Burge yesterday. You know, I always feel that goalkeepers are treated the most harshly simply because they're the last line of defence. And if they make a mistake, it invariably leads to a goal. But I think, and I would, you know, I would mitigate to a degree on Lee Johnson's behalf insofar as some of his team selections have been enforced upon him as a result of injuries. And, you know, and I think that would be particularly Mm. relevant to Max Power having to play right back and not only that at times not getting a settled run in that position to allow him to become much more accustomed to it he's not a right back you know he'll be honest and wholehearted and he will try and lead but Max Power at right back is not for me a medium to long term option similarly I would have concerns of looking in at centre back because I've got so much admiration and respect for him that if Sunderland went to the championship and Luke O'Neill was told that to be a very good championship player, he should go and run 15 miles every day, you have little doubt that he would do it (laughs) because his level of professionalism, his commitment and, you know, wanting him in the trenches with you would be without doubt. But, you know, at a higher level... I think he will get punished more for for maybe some of the lapses or some of the loss of possession. But Lee Johnson would probably argue that it's needs must at this moment and he wants that experience and he wants that level of commitment. Regarding the notion of any team bottling it, it, it's, it's very unusual to the point of it, I would argue, being impossible. It's beca- it becomes something of a cliche to say a team bottled it. A team at any given time is made up of 11 different players. Now, you will never ever find a situation where all 11 of those players have completely lost courage or conviction in what they're going about. But if some of them have become half-hearted and some of them are only playing in passages, it might be because there is a little bit of reservation about the pressure that's on them. So... Being definitive about it, you know, is is very difficult. And and look how one player loses bottle is different from how another player w- would lose it, you know. Um, and then of course you have to factor hmm. in confidence, which would be included in the whole context of someone's, you know, someone's level of resolve and fortitude. I've got no doubt that if you look at the statistics of tackles how much players ran from the games yesterday and against both Charlton and Wigan, it would probably be quite comparable to the many victories that went beforehand. 
But that doesn't always give you the best insight into just how much conviction and determination and resolve there was. I I don't I don't necessarily think it's bottle. It would. Yeah. I mean, would we be having this conversation if instead of Aidan McGeady hitting the post, that it hit the inside of the post and went in, which of course would have meant that Blackpool wouldn't have scored a minute or so after, or would be highly unlikely to. So you can't you can't say that bottle is something that is exclusively around the outcome of the game. I don't think we would mm. be having this conversation because people always tend to associate if you lose your bottle, it means you, at the very least, you draw or lose. But, you know, again, going back to Lee Johnson and, you know, we talk about game management, but, you know, b- between game management at this at such a critical stage of the season is of paramount importance because, you know, I think that if Sunderland fail to get promotion... And even if they go out and invest significantly to the point that you could be extremely confident of winning League One next season, there will still be a level of frustration that they're not starting next season in the Championship. Yeah. We've had a question from Twitter from Michael Bowers. He asks, and I'm going to throw this at you, Martin. Do you believe the conspiracy theory that some of the Sunderland players would be content with us not going up so they could stay here? I've actually seen a few people say this. And it's um it seems a bit out there, doesn't it? Um, that these players would maybe benefit more from not going up because they're more likely to retain a retain a, a spot at Sunland. I mean, I don't personally buy into that, but is there is there a sort of could that sort of mentality creep into the group? Do you think? I don't think so, but I thought I'd throw it by you anyway. Yeah, bollocks. Yeah, complete bollocks. <laughs> and that's been kind. <laughs> yeah, I think anybody who does anything. Sports related, whether you play five a side in the garden, I I want to beat my seven year old son playing go- football in the garden out here. So a professional <laughs> footballer is not going to go and not want to win a medal on the off chance they might get another contract for having failed. Like if we don't go up, the people who are out of contract probably aren't going to get new contracts at Sunderland because they haven't got us up in three seasons. Yeah, correct. Bullshit, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we can just put that one to bed. That's why I asked it. I don't believe that for one minute. Kieran, I don't know. I don't know if you've got anything to add on that. But I have seen uh, a lot of people say this actually. So it's something people are discussing. Certainly, I, I don't no. subscribe to it personally. I mean, I know that football, broadly speaking, likes to try and promote it as a team game. But I think a lot of people would be surprised. Just yeah. how individualistic players are, because as human beings, the primary focus will be on self-development and their own career. And something like this, this particular conspiracy, because that's exactly what it is, would take players coming together, and it would take some individual to initiate that particular conversation. And who would want to be the individual footballer that would approach his teammates and say, look, I think it would be best if we don't get promoted. Apart from anything, that would get back to a manager pretty quickly. And in all likelihood, the player that initiated this particular notion would probably not play again and would probably be ostracised in a manner that would make Aidan McGeady's time out the squad under Phil Parkinson looked like a short rest. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, if somebody if somebody initiated that particular conversation or conspiracy and it became public, they would become persona non grata, not just in Sunderland, but in football in a wider sense, because you simply cannot have that. And apart from anything, players individually will generally feel that they can play at the highest level possible, even if there might not be the evidence to, to reinforce it. So I've got no doubt Sunderland's view on it might be different because I think the fact that there's so many players who haven't been re-signed ahead of next season is an indication that they will be looking to increase the standards and increase the quality of players, irrespective of whether it's another season yeah. in League One or they do manage to ascend to the Championship. What do we think about automatic promotion then, Kieran? I know you touched on it before, but we have to... I think it's difficult maybe now, and a, a, couple, a day removed as we record this, from the, from the latest defeat, but we still have to try and remain optimistic about the chance of getting promoted because although we might not be good enough for the automatics and it looks very much like those two spots are now sewn up, we still have a very good chance of getting out this league regardless because the playoffs, the playoffs, you know, we've been here before, we've got plenty of experience in, in this situation. You know, we've won at Wembley this season already. Um, we went on through the squad in the last podcast we recorded um, just looking at the, the, the experience that the squad collectively has in playoffs. I mean, there's quite a lot of players in the current squad who've been there and mm. done it. Um, it's important, isn't it, to try and uh, try and sort of remain as level-headed as we can and as optimistic as we can, not yeah. just as a fan base, but the squad and the manager as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I would still be inclined to believe that if Sunderland can go to Humberside this midweek and win, it's not only three points that they've managed to acquire. It's a huge confidence boost that you've went to arguably yeah. the best team in the league, certainly over the course of the season, because they've been taught for as long as they have. Now, when you look then at the remaining yeah. games, Lee Johnson should find it much easier to impress upon the squad that having gone to Hull and won, they should be able to secure three points in the games against Accrington at home, Northampton at home, Plymouth away, and the reverse fixture against Blackpool. Now, I don't believe it's impossible, I don't even believe it's improbable that Sunderland could acquire 15 points from the remaining fixtures. And then, when you look at the pressure then that would come as a consequence upon Hull City in particular, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they've still got Lincoln City to play, who themselves are vying for a place in the playoffs. And Yeah, that's right, yeah. Of, of Hull still to play Charlton. I mean, we've got to play them. I know that for one. But it's I yeah. I mean, Charlton and Wigan. If we were, if we were going to be playing Peterborough Tuesday evening, it would be Peterborough. I would be speaking about. But because it's Hull, yeah. Because of the confidence factor that can come from both a victory or a defeat, then it might be that it's Hull City that could be, you know, could be caught and could be could be passed. Um, so I wouldn't rule out yeah. automatic promotion. I mean, if if they don't secure three points, then, you know, they're, they're not going to... I, I think it becomes bothering on impossible. And, and then yeah. maybe the, the... Then you're looking behind you. 
you know, a lot more than you're actually looking at catching the teams that are ahead of you. Like what you've just touched on, whole next, and I guess we'll move on to that, Martin. Um, the games aren't getting any easier. I guess the whole particularly motivated to win given I think a victory practically seals automatic promotion for them I think they would only need one more point after that um it's an interesting game though because Kieran's just said there you know if we can win that game it puts a bit of pressure on Hull then to start turn the form around back around if they've lost the game but on the flip side they know winning the game pretty much secures their path to the championship um how do you feel about this game then is it is it a bit still? Is it still a bit raw from the from the Blackpool defeat? Is it or is, are you a bit more uh, level headed now that Diosso has passed? I think I'm, I'm quite pragmatic about the the whole thing. Really, I think um, it's obviously going to be a difficult difficult game. But Hull have lost uh, Hull have lost an incredible amount of games this season for a team that's going to you know in all likelihood yeah. go up. Um, yeah. So you know they're, they're certainly not um, unbeatable. They, they don't tend to draw that many. They they either win or lose. So. Look, there's a the chance we can go there, and I think you know it's a, it'll be a harder proposition if the fans are in there and it's a nighttime game. And all you know, the stadium was packed, and a win would pretty much get them up. I think it's a yeah, it's it's a difficult prop or a different proposition rather if if that was the case. But look, I, th- I think it's a really big test for us, and I think we just have to concentrate on on our performance levels and in, in the the result of the game because, like as Kieran said, you know, getting back into the habit of winning as we come into the, the last you know the final throws of the, the season it's good it's very very important isn't it that we get back to to winning ways and come up with a good performance and put put the shift in and if we like if we can beat Hull you know regardless of if it um gives us a good chance of or a better chance of getting up automatically it gives us that confidence back in the squad that oh, we're going to yeah. need because you know if it's Hull or Peterborough or if it's Charlton or Blackpool or Portsmouth or whoever it is, we're going to have to win some hard games between now and the end of the season if we if we are going to go up. So it, I yeah. think it's a really good test. Yeah. How do you see Lee Johnson approaching the game then, Kieran? Because it's it's a, it's a tough spot, isn't it, to be him right now? He's sort of got to try and find a way of winning. Mm. He's got to pick a team um, that he thinks will win the game, obviously, and he goes in every game with that mentality, but it's just not happened the last handful of games. Um how do you see him drawn on his experience to, to I guess go there and pick up the three points? Because, um, I think I guess mentally is uh, things are it's it's important to get things right mentally as it is you know in his team selection and his tactics. Mm. Well, I I think you know his job is made arguably easier because he will be aware more than anyone that a point which might normally be commendable away to the team that's top of the league isn't going to suffice. You know, they're going to have to go out. They're going to have to try and take the initiative from the outset. I mean, I thought in the game at Peterborough, Sunderland started very well. It wasn't a particularly easy game on the eye, but I certainly think in the first 45 minutes, Sunderland were the better side. And that's only a few short weeks ago. So, you know, with that in mind and with that hopefully being fresh within the minds of the players... Then referring back to things like that period, you know, should give them confidence that they can go, you know, toe to toe as it were against, you know, the better sides in the the division. And whereas a, a draw at Peterborough wasn't a particularly bad result, obviously because the circumstances have changed significantly since then, 
he has little option but to try to go out and win the game. Yeah. And 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 that that can obviously make your strategy and it can make your team selection, you know, m- much easier. You know, and you have and and it's, it might not necessarily you know, the team selection might not differ too much. But one of the things then you might have to say is that you would say to players like Hayden McGeady, look, don't track back as much. Stay up and let them worry about you. You know, whereas maybe if it was a game that you were going to include Aiden, but you would be content with a draw, you would try to ensure that he was rigid with his defensive responsibilities. But, you know, you want to try and make sure that you can show signs that you've won a psychological battle in the very opening stages. And the last thing you want is Aidan McGeady, for example, to be spending a disproportionate amount of time marking the fullback when, in reality, you want that fullback to be worried for 60 seconds of every minute of 90 about the potential threat that Aidan has. So yeah. it's, it's, it's little things like that that can be the deciding factor when you look about, you, you know, you look at a particular game and what's riding on it and the absolute urgency that comes with needing a victory. The, the players will not be entertaining any thoughts that, well, if we've lost to Wigan away and we've lost to Blackpool away, what chance have we got against Hull City away? But there will be, you know, some reservations, I'm sure, within the minds of some of the players at least that, you know, maybe promotion automatically at the very least is become increasingly distant. And, you know, that, you know, this is what managers are very well paid for, you know, to try and galvanise yeah. players in, in times of adversity and to try to you know, when needed, depressurise the situation, particularly if you have players that you don't regard as being mentally resolute. But, you know, if Sunderland go to Humberside and win, I don't think it's going to be a huge surprise to anyone. And and, and again, I mean, with, with the game next week being at home against Accrington, I think it is, on the Saturday... And given their run of yeah. form of late, and given the fact that they're no longer realistically within a chance of playoff positions, and, and given the goals that they've been conceding quite often, I mean, so it's a wonderful game to come off the back of a victory at Hull to play in, because I would expect it to be almost a formality, certainly if Sunderland have gone to Hull and won, and then, of course, it sets you up nicely. You're on the back of a two-game winning streak when Blackpool come to the stadium the following midweek. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm looking at the remaining fixtures and this is probably our toughest remaining game. And I think you're right, Kieran, we win this game. Um, we then have four very winnable games after that. And we, you just have to think positively about this. That you do, There's no point wallowing and moping and moaning about individual errors and there is there isn't at this stage i mean people are right to feel frustrated because we've we have thrown a really good opportunity away in the last three games to 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 get into those automatic positions but for me it's you've just got to look at the last five games now as opportunities to get yourself back into form and what will be will be you know i mean 
you say you win the next five games, and we're definitely capable of that. Um, you might well, you might well be in a very good position to jump into second spot going into the last weekend. Yeah, you don't know. It's Absolutely. it's pointless writing it off. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think Peter like Sunderland have had or in the midst of a double header against Blackpool. I think Peterborough have the same with I think it's Doncaster, and unfortunately for Sunderland or other teams who might be looking to get automatic promotion, Doncaster have gone off the boil significant. I know they won yesterday. And and of course, Peterborough and Darren Ferguson have a manager who's very, very experienced in this particular situation. I, of all football supporters, the one set you don't really need to tell about the playoffs and... The, it's the lottery of it. It's probably Sunderland supporters because, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I I played. I was involved in the squad in nineteen ninety. We lost. We got played off the park, and yet we still got promoted. And then eight yeah. eight years later, <laughs> Sunderland put the ball in the back of the net eleven times legally, four from goals and seven from penalties, and it still wasn't sufficient to get them promoted. So, um, you know, I know, some, I know there's the there's a deep held view that victory over Tranmere about sixty eight weeks ago brought about a conclusion to this long standing Wembley hoodoo. But you know, the playoffs are something altogether different, and you might not get to Wembley. You know, two of the four teams won't, um, and you know, ju- just trying to make sure that you go into the playoffs and as advantageous a position as possible is, is paramount, you know. And it would be better to lose these three games and go on a little winning run or maybe even take 11 points or 13 points from 15. And at least you're going in off the back of a run where Lee Johnson can say to the players, look, it was a blip. You proved again that you're good players, that you can match anyone in this division, rather than it being the last couple of games that sort of proved costly to the aspirations of it being automatic. Mm, I think that's a good point to end on because uh, <laughs> I feel a lot happier. I feel a lot more optimistic about the uh, the last five games now that Kieran's been able to uh, bring us up to speed. Martin, I see you, oh, you, your hands up. What would you like to say, Amir? Yes, 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 please, sir. <laughs> um, no, I just... Just to echo Kieran's point, but just just expand on it a little bit. I think, you know, obviously the benefit of having twenty four hours after a game. You know, immediately after the after a game, you're pissed off that we've thrown a a chance of three points away, and you, you know, you're getting frustrated by individual performances and and what have you. But you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, if if you'd said to to us six months ago, you you know, when we under the previous ownership under Phil Parkinson's management, and you'd said to us, and come the end, you know, five games left at the end of the season. You'll have been taken over by a Swiss billionaire, and you'll still be in with a shout of automatic promotion with five games left. You'd have absolutely snapped the bloody hand off. Yeah, so yeah we've come a long way. We've, we've come got, a long way. And, and, it's, and it's easy to forget how far we've come um, when you're embroiled in that, you know, after after match frustration and reaction and yeah. all that sort yeah. of stuff. So I think we we have to look at you. Know, we've got five games, big opportunity to go up. But if we don't go up, we, we've still got. The best opportunity that we've had for a, a generation, pretty much, with the you know the stuff that's going on in, in the background of the club. So there's a lot to be positive about. Yeah. And if we can kind of just take it onto the pitch, 
over the next few weeks, we'll be all feeling uh, even even happier, I guess. Absolutely. The one, Absolutely. The one other thing I would add, and, and it might seem something that isn't that necessary to discuss, but it would be worth focusing on, and that is that if Sunderland, for example, went to Hull and won by two goals, that brings about a four-goal swing in terms of goal difference regarding Sunderland and Hull. If they could then follow that up yeah. by not only beating Accrington, but beating them significantly, then they start to eke away at the advantage that Hull certainly have. And, and it, by its very nature, if Sunderland were to win all five games, at the very least, their goal difference would improve by plus five. And because Hull would have to draw games or lose games, it would eat away at the advantage they currently have. Now, I know it seems a very distant prospect to suggest that by the time we get to 46 games, Sunderland will go up automatically ahead of Hull City based on goal difference. But you won't be able to catch Hull without eating away at their goal difference to some degree. Because if you're going to win five games, they're going to have to drop points, which will mean losses or draws. And it will, pro- it will mean, of course, beating Hull along the route. So I wouldn't say it's all lost, but, you know, um, on balance, it's it's going to be very, very, very difficult. Mm. But there's still some hope. Oh, yeah, oh, always, always hope with Sunderland. You've got to, you can't give up, you can't give up. Um, but no, thanks, Kieran. Thanks for joining us. We've enjoyed it. It's uh, thank you for asking. It's been cath- oh, absolutely. It's been cathartic to just talk to somebody who who's got a bit of sense. I'm just normally used to talking to Martin, so uh, on his own. Um, <laughs> that's that's because I've been on the cross trainer, mate. Once I come off the cross ah, trainer, right. I feel fantastic. So you got me at a good moment. <laughs> well, it, I exercise great for the mind. Absolutely. No, thank you very much, Kieran. Thank You're you, uh, Martin, for joining us as always. Thanks to the listeners, as always, for joining us. Um, cheers for tuning in. We'll be back after the whole game, hopefully chatting about a return to winning ways. Kieran's got me believing, so I think the players should listen to this <laughs> and uh, maybe recapture a bit of positive mentality. Um, make sure you check the website each and every day through the week. Um, we've obviously got everything coming your way over on the site. Um, and cheers, everyone, and thanks for dropping in. We'll catch you all down the road. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.